Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Hello, beautiful people. I am so happy you decided to join me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins, and I hope you enjoy our time together today. As always, I want to thank you for dropping in because I know we are all busy and have a long list of to-dos, so thank you for being with us today. My goal and intent for this space is to create a place where women feel empowered to live out their God-given destiny and also to establish a dialogue that is interesting and culturally relevant to our lives today. So if you are new here, welcome. I hope you'll come back for more. If you joined us last time on the podcast, you know we have just started a new series on the book of Nehemiah. I'm lovingly referring to it as the recovery series. I'm sure unless you're currently living under a rock, which you aren't, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, that you are well aware we are in desperate need of recovery. So much of what we hold near and dear has been lost over the past few years. For example, the respect for the nuclear family, respect for those in authority, like police and others, trust in our medical institutions to have our best interest and health in mind, trust in most, if not all, government institutions and defense agencies. I like to call them the alphabet soup, the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, you know, all the ones we have recently discovered have been lying to the American people for decades now. We have lost the decency of dialogue. We will say things to one another behind a computer screen we would never say to someone's face. We have lost the ability to trust the nightly or daily news, and I say news in air quotes. Many of you may be like me and remember a time when the news was consumed from Tom Brokaw at the six o'clock evening news at night. Now we have been lied to repeatedly by the mainstream media so much there is no longer trust there and many have wondered if journalism is truly dead. Then there's the whole woke agenda, shoving everything down our throats and telling us you're going to love it. Transgenderism is now carving up kids and young people and filling them up on cocktails of drugs and hormones for the rest of their life. And if we don't get on board with it, they, well, they scream and they cancel you for not being tolerant. I remember when I was in high school, I need, if I needed an aspirin from the front desk for a headache, they had to call my mother at work and get the okay from her. Now, they are signing up children for gender reassignment surgeries in some states, and they don't even need to tell the parents. It is absolute demonic insanity. We are in need of recovery in our world and our country for sure. So last episode, we opened up the book of Nehemiah and we found ourselves square in the middle of his story. The one thing I instantly recognized in Nehemiah's character and makeup is his aggression towards the right things. I wanna say that again. Nehemiah was aggressive about the right things. Nehemiah was not a people pleaser. He was a God pleaser. He was a strong leader because he lived by his convictions. Are you doing that today? Are you living by your convictions? He was not swayed by the culture around him. 
We talked last episode about the book of Ezra and how Ezra and Nehemiah actually go together to tell a story. So at some point, I'd love for you to go back and revisit the book of Ezra and get a bit of history in the backstory there. But today, for for the sake of time, we're going to jump ahead first right into Nehemiah chapter 4. You know how the Bible uh, passages have headings in each area? Well, mine says when you open it up to Nehemiah 4, it says at the top, work is ridiculed. Have you ever set out to do anything for the Lord? And maybe not to your face, but you know you've been ridiculed for it. That can either deter you or it can spur you on. And for Nehemiah, it spurred him onward and upward. So chapter four, verse one says, now it came about when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. Remember Sanballat from the last episode. His name means may sin give him life. May sin, S-I-N, give him life. Now, you and I both know that sin leads to death, right? So this is kind of a strange oxymoron, actually, of what his name means. May sin give him life, because sin is not going to give him life. His name also can mean enemy ambush, which he absolutely was. Now, that's quite a name, isn't it? And he lives up to every word of it. Now, let's read down a few more verses Uh, Verse two through eight. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? You can hear the mocking in his voice. Are they thinking they're gonna restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices and finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty revel, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, even what they're building, if a fox should jump up on it, it would break the stone wall down. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach upon their heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before thee for they have demoralized the builders. So we built the wall and and the whole wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Now when it came about that Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, that the breaches began to be closed, and then they were very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Wow. So here we see what always happens when the enemy comes calling. When you and I set out to do anything for the Lord, especially aggressively, there will always be those voices of, do you really think you can do this? Who do you think you are? Who do these feeble Jews think they are? Tim and I have had to fight against these demonic voices our entire ministry life. They come to disempower. They come to discourage. They come to make us question whether we truly heard God. Does that sound familiar? Remember back in Genesis 1, the enemy comes in the form of a serpent to Eve and says these words, did God really say He has no new tactics. He has no new weapons. It's always the same. And I'm sure those of you listening have your own stories of how this has happened to you and your family. 
If we are going to do anything worthwhile for the Lord, we have to learn how to discipline ourselves and push past those types of voices and the intimidations that come. Now, I love the next verse. Verse nine says, but we prayed to our God and because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. Verse nine says, but we pray to our God. Our best defense against any of our enemies is prayer. Take it to the Lord immediately. Give it no place to take root and go to seed. Nehemiah then says that they set up a guard. You're going to have to do something. We say it all the time at Sisterhood because it's so important. You and I cannot just think, sit back and think, well, if God wanted me to succeed in this, I wouldn't have any pushback. That is false, and we see it right here in the Word of God. We have to set up a guard. God doesn't do that part for us. The other thing we need to have settled is we are not moving from this place. Verse 12 says, And it came about when the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times, they will come up against us from every place that you may turn. 10 times they were given a bad report. 10 times. When something happens once or twice to discourage our hearts, we often see it as warfare against the enemy. But what about 10 times? I mean, that is hard. That is hard, hard. That's where you gotta dig in and you gotta know. Have you ever been in a situation where you can see them coming against you every direction? That's what I was just describing earlier about the state of our nation and our culture. It's coming from everywhere, from the movies, from the TV, from the books, the music, the news sources, both written, televised, digital, family members, Washington, D.C., the medical community, the schools, and now even our money and our currency we use is under under attack by global banks. We are so distracted by trying to define what is a woman. And the world is making a laughing stock out of us. They are devising an evil thing right in our faces. Our entire way of life is at stake and we need a recovery. Now we are down to my favorite verse in all of Nehemiah, chapter four, verse 13. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I once heard my pastor's wife, Shirley, give a message entitled, Build Up the Low Places. We need that word right now for our culture, and that's what Nehemiah did. He saw where the exposed places were, the low places where they weren't safe from the enemy attack, and then he did something about it. Verse 14 says, When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. He was saying, listen, people, look at me. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He encouraged the people. He knew they were all terrified. They had all heard the same thing 10 times like Nehemiah. They knew how mad Israel's enemies were at this work going on, and they were scared not only for themselves, but for their families and their children. Does that sound familiar to you? And Nehemiah reminded them again of the God they serve and they love, the one to whom they belong. He reminded them of God's great and awesome might and power. He used the past history to remind them who they are again. See, most Americans have forgotten our history. Why? Because it's no longer taught in our educational institutions. In fact, it's being erased just like womanhood daily, more and more. If we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. 
The lack of knowledge in this area also creates a society that has no idea who it is collectively. It's impossible to unify a people who are totally self-absorbed, totally self-reliant, and totally selfish. When a nation forgets its identity, it can no longer stand. We need a recovery of national identity. And that's what Nehemiah was giving to the Israelites as they built the wall, even in their own fear and trepidation. And what happens next is remarkable. Verse 15 says, And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan. Then all of us returned to the wall, each one to our work. And it came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work while half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates. And the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand, doing the work and the other holding a weapon." Did you see that? They built with one hand while they carried their weapon with the other. That is remarkable. That is aggressive recovery. They were not going to be deterred. They had settled that in their hearts. They were set in one mind and in one heart to do the work. And not just do the work, but finish the work. Sometimes you and I have to do the work with one hand while fighting off the devil with the other. And what might that look like for you and I? Well, it may look like obeying God, whatever he told you to do, while using the weapons God has given us to fend off the enemy. Prayer, the word, worship most of all. And when we lift our voices and just declare the name Jesus over the work we are doing, the enemy cannot and will not stay in that atmosphere. He will take his ball and go home. Verse 18 says, As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, and our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. And at that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be on guard for us night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. The sound of the trumpet, the sa- that sound was always the rallying cry for the children of Israel. To them, it was both the sound of war and of victory. It was a sound that brought them together. See, we need a trumpet in America today. We need a sound to draw us together again, especially in the church. We need to let the sound of the trumpet rally us to awaken again to what we are called to. And I believe as we do, our God will fight for us. All right, I have said a mouthful. That's all I got for you today. I'm gonna pray for you before we go. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. We never tire of it. It gives us life and hope. Thank you for the example of Nehemiah. Let us also carry out obedience to you with aggressive fortitude. Let us not be hindered by the wearying voices of society around us. And let us be reminded again of who we are and who we belong to. We belong to you, Jesus. We are yours. Give us courage today to step into the places you're calling us to build and recover and to fight until we see it to completion. 
We love you, Jesus. You are the kindest one we know. We pray it all in your name. Amen. So the tip of the day today, I kind of feel like this may be talking to the choir. The very fact that you're here listening to a podcast tells me that you're a learner. But today's tip is to become a lifelong learner. Do you know that in order to be interesting, to become an interesting person, you have to be interested first? The people I find most fascinating are the biggest learners. Why? Because they're constantly bringing something new to the table, new knowledge, new understanding, new wisdom, the new news of the day, a new and different perspective that I may not have thought about before. Reading is my very favorite hobby. It almost feels like a luxury now because when my kids were small, I hardly ever sat down to read and relish a really good book. But I don't just enjoy reading. I also listen voraciously to podcasts and digital news sources. I'm very careful what I take in, though. I'm careful to not muddy the waters of my heart and my mind. Whatever I take in must fit into my biblical worldview. I try to learn from all different kinds of people in all walks of life, too. So if you want to become an interesting person that people want to get to know and spend time with, then become a learner. Learn something new and interesting to bring to the table, and you will be so surprised how that draws people into your sphere of life. And all of our lives are about the people we surround ourselves with. Okay, I hope you heard something today that's been helpful and interesting. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Sisterhood & Co. podcast, and I hope you'll join us next time as we wrap up our series on Nehemiah. Go make your life awesome, beautiful, and now also interesting. Mm